We are answering your questions today. Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast. Hey, Swanee. Shannon, yes? I have a question for you. What is it? What's blue and yellow and shaped like a toolbox? Is it the McCann question box? It is the podcast question box. Uh, I'm excited. That was easy. That was easy. Ask me a harder one. (laughs) No, that's the only question that I have for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are talking about anything and everything with our our questions from our, our listeners. Okay, so, also we've, I see we've gotten quite a few questions, so yes, that's awesome. Yeah, some yes. of our um, our show producer has put a whole bunch of questions in the McCann Dogs question box so that we can just have some 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 random chat, discussions. Some yes. random discussions about things that uh, will help our, our audience. Okay. And we so, don't know what's in there, so. No. There could be anything in there. There could be anything. Yes. But at least this time, it's nice and clear and very easy to read. We got a new last printer. Time, yeah, we needed a new printer cartridge. So we spent a lot of time stumbling over the questions last mm-hmm. time because we had a hard time reading them. So right. now it's beautiful. And this question is easy to read. And we appreciate all of your questions. Mm-hmm. If you have questions you want to send through to us, you can do so on our McCann Dogs podcast YouTube channel or on our McCann Dogs YouTube channel where we have hundreds and almost a thousand videos, I think maybe more than a thousand now, videos to help you with your four-legged family member. So let's just jump right in. We have so many questions. We'll see how many we can get through before the end of this day. No, end end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So my puppy really isn't food oriented right now. So normal reward treat doesn't work all that well with her suggestions. This is a a question that we get a lot actually. Yes. I find that a lot of puppy essential students will come in with this question because with our online students, they can start the day they bring their puppy home. They can start before they bring their puppy home. We actually Mm -hmm. have a puppy prep guide Mm -hmm. that helps students get ready for their puppy. And then once their puppy comes home, they have a plan in place and they're already, you know, acclimated to the program and ready to get going in the puppy essentials program. So when, uh, when they join us often it is, okay, my puppy came home last night and today my pup is not interested in eating at all. I have Mm -hmm. a dog that's not food motivated. What do I do? So, um, what do you say to those? Well, often the, the first few days you bring a baby puppy home, they're often not yeah. not that, you know, hungry. They're, you know, they've had a huge transition and you might find that that first few days they're not super food motivated. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it puppies are really adaptable and mm-hmm. dogs in general are also yes. really adaptable. The older they are when they they come into a new home, generally the more time they need to acclimate. So mm-hmm. when they're 8 weeks old, they usually roll with the punches, Mm -hmm. but there can still be a little bit of an acclimation period. Even with Ned, Mm -hmm. when Ned first came home, it was at least 24 hours before he was willing to eat. Right. And like, he was just, he's a very confident dog. Mm -hmm. He's very food motivated, but Mm -hmm. even him, you know, in that first day, he he flew on the plane beautifully. Mm -hmm. You know, he was under the seat in front of me in his little Sherpa bag on the plane. Mm -hmm. He didn't make a peep. He slept through the whole thing. He was fine in the car ride home. But then when we got into the house and I sort of was setting up, 
his area and spending some time with him. And he was just like, you could tell that he was out of sorts. He right. was he was upset, I would say, for, yes. for lack of a better word. Well, he word. had left beautiful British Columbia, yeah. and now he's in Ontario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Yeah. No, Ontario's beautiful. <laughs> it is, absolutely. But we don't have the ocean. Yeah, it's yours to discover. It is. We don't use that yeah. anymore, but. No. That was a good slogan. Now we're open for plate. business, or no, uh, yes, what is it? I can't even remember. <laughs> it's not as good as I remember a long time ago, it used to be keep it beautiful. Yeah. 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 To do that. Yeah. Don't litter. <laughs> so um back to this question so right. with ned it took him 24 hours before he was like okay i'm right. cool now i'm yeah. comfortable and he's a really rock solid dog in terms of temperament and he had a fabulous start in his right. life and then you know mm-hmm. came home and we hit the ground running and life was great but there was still that little bit of time so right. If your puppy is new mm-hmm. and you're experiencing that, give it a little bit of time because sometimes it can take a it week. It can take you know, a week, It depends yes. on some puppies are really sensitive. And a lot of the times we shoot ourselves in the foot by trying to get them to eat. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times instead of just accepting and waiting until right. they sort of come out of their shell, people will, oh my gosh, he's not hungry, right, so yes. I'm going to try to throw some chicken on here. Oh my oh. gosh, he's not eating it and I want him to eat, so I'm going to try to add some gravy. Right. Or now there's all these toppers yes. that are out there on the market right. because and we're creating. Creates a picky dog. Yeah. Yes, holding out for something good. So exactly. a, hel- a healthy puppy will not starve yes. itself. So not to worry. Now, if your puppy's not super motivated by the food, you might look at how much you're feeding them too during their meals. Because a a lot of people, you know, will feed their puppies to the roly poly point (laughs) and roly poly puppies are not always hungry because they're satiated. So you bring them out to to train. It's like if I, you know, go out for a great big meal at, uh, you know, at a restaurant, when I get home, you know, I'm I'm not interested in sitting and eating chips anymore because I'm stuffed and I'm full. I'm always interested in candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, so, and some dogs are like right, that, yes, right? Like, yeah, I'm a Labrador are, for that. Yeah, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. If you have a lab, or maybe you've had a lab in the past, right. and so you're used to having a walking stomach right, in your yeah. life, and then you go to a little Bichon Frise, and right. they're not necessarily going to be as food motivated right. to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now it's this culture shock for you, right? Like, right. There's got to be something wrong with right. this puppy because my last dog, right. the food bowl wouldn't even hit the ground and it right. would be empty. And, yeah. and this dog is just walking away from it. So they're all a little bit mm-hmm. different. I would say that if it's suddenly different, that is good reason to check with your vet. Right. Yes. And that's a good reason to not free feed as well. Because mm-hmm. when you free feed, which is just leaving the food down for your dog to come and go, it actually creates pickier dogs. Mm-hmm. But it also obscures you know, your ability to see and monitor if the dog is eating, how much right. they're eating, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, if our dogs suddenly stop eating, that's usually cause for alarm. Right. And I would check in with my vet right away if mm-hmm. that lasted any longer than I would say, you know, 24 hours max. Right, yeah. I would be checking in mm-hmm. with my veterinarian at that point. Um, if the dog is older and not food motivated, what do you do in those scenarios? Well, I'm going to in, um, implement toys and fun to help those dogs. And I'm also going to try to build food drive. Yeah. So I, I like to, um, dogs love to chase things. Yes, so I like to, you know, to take a kibble and tease my dog with it, hold them back and roll it across the floor yeah. and then say, get it. Yeah. And the dog's like, oh, that's fun. And then they get it and they eat it. And then, you know, yeah. so I start throwing it to chase it. And all of a sudden the dog's like, you know what? I like these kibbles. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I had a Saluki that had no food motivation for a long time. And I had to really you get 
creative with ways to to reward her. Yes. And um, I finally found upon, uh, you know, she loved uh, uh, beef heart. If I could boil a beef heart, um, dice it up, and that was what she liked. But I had to kind of do a lot of teasing and fun, yeah. and it finally happened. It wasn't easy, but it did finally happen. But in the meantime, you know, she grew up into a well-trained, adjustable dog. Adjustable. Adjusted. <laughs> adjusted dog. She was like a Mr. Potato right? Head. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I just thought of, you know, other ways that I could reward. Yeah, absolutely. And that really is the thing. I mean, we're all motivated by something, and our mm-hmm. dogs are included in that. So right. you just have to figure out what they like. There's no hard and fast rules that say you have to use food. Food is easy. Food is quick. Food is typically a universal currency mm-hmm. for dogs. You know, most dogs are happy to work for right. food. Mm-hmm. So it makes it easy, but it's not impossible without food by any stretch right. yes yeah, definitely not mm-hmm. so perfect okay, okay well hopefully okay. that one was helpful yes i'm gonna get a question? question yay oh are you oh you're getting a short one. i got a short question yeah <laughs> it's so oh, little yes it's a good one though do dogs get bored well yeah I get bored. Yes. Why wouldn't yeah, dog yeah. get bored? Dogs get dogs do get yeah. bored. Uh, they might not think of it like in it as the human term of bored, yeah. but yeah, dogs they get bored and they it's look like for oh, activity. Right, that's what they're doing. They're yep. saying, "Okay, you know, I've had enough of this. Let's go do something different." Yeah. So they do. And when we talk about um we talk about self-regulation a lot. Puppies mm-hmm. don't self-regulate. So they don't relax to conserve energy so that they have it stored up for later, etc. Our adult dogs do that though. So sometimes we get away with them being bored because they'll just kind of self-regulate and mm-hmm. go, "Okay, I'll wait until later for the activity." Right. Assuming that their needs are being met the overwhelming mm-hmm. majority of the time. That's probably what's going to happen too. But um A bored dog, you know, a dog that is not having their needs met, who is constantly feeling frustrated with lack of activity, Mm -hmm. will look for their own activity. Right. And they make up games that aren't good games. Yes. Yes. I mean, sometimes they might be good, but for the most part, they're probably not going to align with your idea of what a good game is. Right. Yes. Right off the bat, I'm thinking, like, Ned makes up his own games Mm -hmm. all the time. He's definitely, definitely got his needs well met. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets mental work. Mm -hmm. He gets physical work. Like, life is a picnic for him. Right. He's a busy boy, and tollers are very smart. And there's a lot of times where he will, his, his, food bowl for example he has small stainless steel food bowls that are Mm -hmm. plastic on the outside right and I love watching Mm -hmm. him play with his food bowl so a lot of the times when um summertime especially Mm -hmm. we'll go outside and I'll feed them outside Mm -hmm. and uh then afterwards I'll let him chase his food bowl around so basically (laughs) he will pick up his food bowl and flip it upside down right like he purposely does that so that then he can chase it around with his nose Nose, and push it around with his nose and as he's doing it he makes all these you know horrendous toller noises right i should have taken a video oh right you said they were silent and demure yes (laughs) or for your dog Dog singing singing post post. yes but yeah he'll like as he's chasing the bowl around and like trying to pretend that he's picking it up and then of course when he gets the right angle and just whacks it with his paw in the right way it flips and then he picks it up and he brings it over and he's so proud of himself and he goes here's my bowl that is a fun game you're so smart buddy and i take the bowl he likes to he likes me to investigate his like he to to observe his Mm -hmm. things and to look at them and tell them how tell them how wonderful they are that that makes him happy (laughs) so i'll take the bowl from him and he'll be like oh buddy you did such a good job of that this is the best bowl ever right sometimes i go hey kip look at this bowl isn't this cool (laughs) like make a big deal out of this bowl for a second of course kip won't look up and he'll be like that's the best bowl ever (laughs) 
can see so my reflection. I'll take the bowl and I'll either hand it back to Ned to right. do what he wants with, with yeah. it, or I'll actually give it a little toss upside down, or right. I might like create a puzzle for him. So right. I'll tuck it just underneath the chair leg. Right. And like, now you got to get it from here. Right. And he plays yeah. his little puzzle game trying to get the bowl out from underneath the chair. And, right. You know, it's just all good fun. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's sort of productive. Right. That's a productive game, yes. Whereas, you know, bad games might be digging a giant hole in the middle of your yard or or pulling up your. We, I remember one time um, when I was first married, uh, we planted a beautiful garden, and we were newlyweds, and we're like, "Look at our garden!" I can just picture you like skipping around the garden and holding hands, and it was big. We had like everything: cucumbers, corn, Uh tomatoes. I don't think this is gonna go. It didn't end well. It didn't end well. Yeah, one of the Malinois got bored and we, you know, we, at that point, I don't do this anymore, but we used to let the dogs out into the yard and they would spend like the whole morning in the yard without our supervision or watching. And that might work for some dogs and situations. It's a different life, eh? Yeah. Like when we just, you know, open the open the door in the morning and let the dog out. Right, and yeah. And we did be, that all the time. Yeah. And then so one morning when I went to let them in at lunch, I... Saber ran by with a corn stalk in her mouth. And I'm like, oh. And I went (laughs) back and our beautiful garden was destroyed. Oh, dear. So, no more skipping hand in hand through the garden. No, no, and no vegetables for us. The dogs had had a lot of vegetables, but because they were eating stuff and... Yeah, so that was not a good game that they no. invented. Oh no. my goodness. I think um, young Swanee was very different yes. than Swanee of today. That's she, so yes, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of things differently, especially with my dogs. And um, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, lessons learned, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my And gosh. now I would never think about planting a flower or anything. No, I would. No, no, no. <laughs> I still do. I still do. But I would never just leave dogs no. in the yard unattended for that long. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know why we did that, but that's what we did. <laughs> it, it was different. There was a lot of dogs that lived outside back right? then. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, you're only, you know, 29. Right, But this yes. is going back a lot of decades. I know, like, yeah, it was like in, yeah, it's like I lived a previous life. <laughs> yeah, it, that must be it. Right, it was a previous life, it. yes. Previous life. Yes. All right, how long does it take to crate train a puppy? My puppy hates it. She'd rather be in the room, and I don't know what to do. I've never crate trained my dogs before. This is our next oh, question. Oh, that's a, so. that's a big question. Yeah, crate training can be a challenge for some puppies. My first toller, oh my gosh, Jaden, I loved that dog so much, but initially... When I was trying to crate train him, he really gave me a run for my money. Right, and I yeah. was pretty early in my dog training career as well. I hadn't mm-hmm. had the same struggle with crate training right. my Rottweiler. And here was this Toller puppy who was just right. and out of his mind. Why do you think he was rejecting the crate? Um, I think it was just typical puppy stuff initially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's potential that... Um, I reinforced the wrong mm-hmm. thing. So again, being really new in my infancy with um, my dog training career, mm-hmm. he was only my second dog. Right. This was, you know, I started in 99 and this was 2001. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was fairly new in. Right. And uh, I think I probably gave him positive attention accidentally right. when he was making noise in mm-hmm. the crate initially. And I mean, 
he was a pretty, he was a good dog in terms of being very stably tempered. Right. But he was definitely a loud dog. He definitely went to vocalization mm-hmm. when there was any sort of frustration in his life. So right. it was something I battled with him with his whole life mm-hmm. to try to keep it under control mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure that I was working thresholds right and helping right. him move in and out of stimulation mm-hmm. without making noise, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I actually, um, I always think back with my dogs and I think, I really wish I could go back and try that again with what I know now mm-hmm. versus what I knew then because, yes. you know, the memories of how how big of a struggle it mm-hmm. was. It would be really nice to know if that was just because of my knowledge or if really he was an overly difficult dog right. to tra- crate mm-hmm. train. But regardless, mm-hmm. um, the first, I would say, I don't know, three weeks maybe were awful, mm-hmm. awful, awful. And then we finally started to make some progress and, right. and get some quiet right. periods and whatnot. So it, it's normal for puppies yes. to cry in their crate. Um, yeah, you know, people absolutely. are often alarmed when their puppy, you know, they're, they're doing all the right things and the puppy still cries. Yeah. And that, that's absolutely 100% normal. Yeah. Let's dive into that. What, uh, why? <laughs> when puppies are in the litter, they learn very quickly if they make a noise, someone's going to come and look. Yeah. Usually the mom dog or one of the litter mates will come over and say, hey, what you what you squeaking about? And the puppy says, aha, making noise works. Yeah. I get attention. So, of course, now we bring them home and, and they're going to feel it works with us too. They're very exactly. innocent. They're saying, you and know what? Sometimes it does work with us because it, it just does. tugs at our heartstrings, Oh, it does. Right? It's a terrible noise, a puppy crying. Yeah. So, like, if I can think back to when I said... Um, I probably accidentally or inadvertently gave him positive mm-hmm. attention. Like that reinforces the behavior. A lot of the times when we say it rewards the behavior, it reinforces the behavior, people are thinking about food only. Okay, well, I'm not feeding my puppy when they're crying. Right. So why on earth is that rewarding the behavior? No. Rewards are anything the dog finds valuable. So right. if I am thinking about a puppy who is feeling like they want to bring some attention to them right there, you know? Right. They're lonely in their crates exactly. and they're like, what, what what's happening? Like, what is this contraption yeah. I'm in? And the tactic that they used when they were with mom and litter mates was to vocalize and mm-hmm. it worked, right? So now I'm in this crate. I want somebody to come and like, you know, pay attention to me yeah. or, or be with me or whatever the case may be. If I make noise and that brings someone, ah, uh-huh. okay, so that tactic still works here too. Right, yes. And even if you just go over and sit with the puppy and say, oh, you're okay, yeah. don't worry. You know what? You're, you'll be fine. The puppy's being reinforced. Yes. You know what? He's pulled the slot machine and he's got a whole bunch of quarters out of it by yeah. you returning. Yeah, absolutely. So now the next time you walk away, He's going to cry and maybe cry louder because it worked before. I better dig in and try it a bit harder. Exactly. And that's exactly how the process works. Their little brains are just searching for what is going to work. Right. Right. So if that noise brings you, if that noise, oh my gosh, heaven forbid, if that noise gets you out of the crate, you're going to keep trying that noise over and over and over again. And it's actually going to get worse because you know that it worked at one point. And if it's not working now, well, I better just get louder. Right. And exactly. more insistent and more frustrated. You know, right. we're, we're actually making things harder for our puppies by thinking that we are being kind. You right. know, what is right isn't always easy. Right. Yes. So sometimes and put people it, think it's separation anxiety yeah, already. No. 
they think, oh, yeah. I brought my puppy home. It's seven weeks and he's crying in the crate. I, he's getting separation anxiety. They just haven't learned to be on their own yet. Right. Yes. It's not yeah. separation anxiety, but we can create separation anxiety if we yes. go in and keep, you know, hugging the pup when he cries or talking to the pup or reassuring it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you're really being, it, it's, 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 you're being more cruel to the puppy. Yes. Uh, by doing that. Yeah. And it's so sad because people don't realize don't know. that they're making their, their puppies' lives harder. And they're making their lives harder as yes. well. Yes. Because now I have to come back from this and I have to fill in the holes that, that right. help my puppy become confidently independent while they've got this idea that they should scream louder and louder and louder. Right. Yes. And this behavior is escalating while I'm trying to balance it out. And it's just, you know, from the onset of bringing home a puppy I'm using my crate and I'm going to try my best to make it a super comfortable space for my puppy you know Mm -hmm. those first couple of days I don't typically just leave the crate and walk away from my puppy I'll move the crate around the house with me so like if I go into the kitchen to make something you know I'll take the little puppy crate with me and I might put it on the counter so that my puppy can see me as I am working around the kitchen and he's not rehearsing getting upset in the crate but that is going to be a very short window of time right you know we we get a question all the time that is one that i don't know why people think that they should stay with their puppies 24 7 for you know the first month or something that they're home it just creates a disaster when you finally do separate from your puppies so i might do that for a couple of days Mm -hmm. but that's it right you know once i've gotten over that initial period of Mm -hmm. like the shock in the acclimation period where my puppy's like, my entire life has just changed. Right. Like I need some comfort. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start leaving my puppy in the other room. You know, I might cover the crate so that they're not looking for action in the right. home. I might leave on music. The McCann Dogs music channel right. has been amazingly successful with our young puppies, helping mm-hmm. them to unwind and relax right. and go to sleep in the mm-hmm. crate so that we can get to that point where they're comfortable there. Right. Yes. right? Yes. Um, I, I think of it like when, um, when my son went to university. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, lived Aww. with me all of his life in Ontario. So and was this you with the separation anxiety or him or both? It was both of us. Aww, it was both of us. Yeah. So suddenly now my son is, during COVID, uh, moved out to Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. So he's a few provinces away yeah. from me. And um, he suddenly, in, in a whole new situation, he's living in residence. He's, everything is different. And he, you know, every day I got a text, you know, and it would break my heart that oh. he was feeling sad and lonely and I be, you know, I started to stress too. Yeah. Um, but you know what? In about two weeks, he was fine. Yes. And, and that's like our puppies. Absolutely. Like they're sending us these sad and lonely messages, but we just have to know that things are going to change. They're going to adjust. We just have to, you know, be tough and, yes. you know, and you know, I, of course, you know, I, I, my son knew I was there for him and, um, you know, I, I tried to support him as much as I can, but yeah. it, support, but not cripple, but not crip. Yes. Yeah. Like I didn't, you know, I was supportive. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. Like you're going to get through this tie. Like, you know, I'd find inspirational quotes. I thought oh, that would help them. And good. I think they helped me more, but. Oh, I bet. <laughs> right. I bet. Yes. Oh my but goodness. you know, now, you know, he's, you know, he's in his fourth year and he loves it. I like, bet. I think he's going to, you know, miss residence when he graduates this year. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yes. See, that's confident independence right? for you. I yep. love it. Yes. I love it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So th- these are very normal transitions right. for humans and dogs alike. Right. And we just need to remember that we need to appeal to the nature of the dog and not 
not use our own heartstrings right. in this. You know, if we're if we bring the puppy out to snuggle them and say it's okay, I'm so sad you're crying, that makes us feel better. Right. And it makes life harder for the puppy in the exactly, long run. Exactly. Yes. So I should have done that with time. <laughs> Don't worry, time. I'll be right there. Mama's coming. Yep. <laughs> Crisscross across the provinces. Yeah. <laughs> Shrudging oh, out there. Mommy's here. Can you imagine? Hopefully yeah. at some point during the long run to get there, right, yeah. you would be like, oh, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. This yeah. probably isn't good. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> rescuing me might help. Right. Or rescuing yes. you might it's help same, me, but. Yeah. Same with uh, Ty. Ty attends the uh, Canadian Coast Guard College. So the first time he was placed for four months on a ship, he had to live on a ship for four months. Now that was an even huger adjustment because oh you're goodness. going from yeah. land now to living on a ship. Yeah. And uh, so that one also, Very I was ready to swim across the uh, Atlantic Ocean to, uh, oh, no. mommy's coming. Yeah. No. But you, that you was another, so fast, you would have been able to run right, right. In there. <laughs> and that was another huge transition for Ty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they are transitions. And so it's like for our we puppies. Just need to support them through it. Right, Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So doing things like making the crate a really positive place for them, you know, those first couple of days, making sure that they're not having negative experiences right. by mm-hmm. being left alone and, you know, really long periods of time or right. anything like that. But yeah. having the crate around with Background you, noise. Yeah, yeah, and then slowly starting to add in that um, that ability to be solo is so very important. Putting, putting food in there for them for their meals so that they get that positive association with the mm-hmm. crate. Well, obviously, we're not just leaving our puppies in the crate. No. You know, no. we're we're taking them out and meeting their needs. But right. at that point, their needs are, are very short-windowed. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of needs, but they're very short periods of time that right. we can accomplish those needs because they need to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about a baby... They sleep a right. huge percentage yes. of their life, and our puppies are no different. Right, yes, They're, yeah. People tend to want to keep their puppies yeah, awake, but you don't wouldn't keep your child awake. Don't. If yeah. you keep your puppies awake, you end up in this overstimulated zone where they're nipping and they're flying yep. all over the place they're and just, then they're cranky and ordinary and that's when people come to us and say help like this dog won't stop attacking me this puppy won't stop biting me this and and if they're constantly practicing being in that overstimulated cranky toddler right? yeah. mode then that's exactly the situation that you're creating because mm-hmm. rehearsal creates behavior so what my puppy practices doing is it that's the habits they're going to come to yes. later on in life so if my puppy practices being calm in the crate that's going to be the habit mm. that they adopt. If my puppy practices being out loose all the time for, you know, sometimes uh, people ask about these these schedules and they're saying, you know, after he's been out for an hour and a half and it's like an hour and a half, like what are you doing with your puppy for an hour and a half? Right, like, yes. You yes. know, 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. and of good training and play right. and things like that. Yeah. And then if you want to spend some time having a little snuggle, that's great. But I would say, you know, with our baby puppies especially, they're, those windows should be short right. and they should be doing lots of napping Mm-mm. so that they have the energy for growth and it doesn't become that overtired, cranky. Right. Exactly. Ugh, yes. No and fun. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it your, I think it's your turn. Another for, question? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of positives to build in the crate and then. There is. Okay. New question. So how do you know where the quick is if your pup has black nails? Oh, that is a really good question. That's a very good question. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Have you heard of the dot? The dot? Look for the dot. Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard that. that gets used. So uh, my first dog was a Rottweiler and that, I will tell you, those nails are thick. Those nails were black Mm -hmm. and thick. Black as night. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were a lot to cut through. And for my first dog too. Right. um, She was always 
tolerant of having her nails trimmed in 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 that you know she she would accept it Mm -hmm. but she was nervous of it so she would do this little jerk with her paw every once in a while so I was always always stressed doing her nails and we worked hard to overcome that once I got more skills Mm -hmm. in my in my training and realized that I could help overcome it and then she was great but it was still it was Mm -hmm. a task to be able to do her nails Mm -hmm. so um there's a couple of things that I relied on one was first feeling the underside of the nail right yeah so when you feel the underside of the nail you can feel where it starts to hook at the end right and there's a little bit of a different texture because there's the quick in there and there's some pulp in there and whatnot Mm -hmm. so if you feel along the underside of the nail you can feel where that um, the nail starts to change direction and become the hook and Mm -hmm. that's generally excess that you can cut off I like to trim my dog's nails more often than Mm -hmm. not so usually once a week I do nails it's very rare that I skip but I mean sometimes it happens but you have toenail Tuesday I don't have Toenail Tuesday. It's usually a weekend thing. Ah. One of our instructors, Instructor right. Nell, has Toenail Tuesday. Toenail Tuesday, Tuesday uh, yes. It's always toenail time Tuesday. on yeah. a Tuesday. So I love it. <laughs> it's great. Um, the other thing, the look for the dot part, I thought was a really brilliant way of saying, okay, this is how you see the quick on a black nailed dot. So what is the dot? The dot. So if you look at the end of the nail, it's usually a, a completely flat surface, right? right? When it needs to be cut and maybe a little bit rounded, but mm-hmm. it, there's nothing visual there that's different in the end of the nail. But when you take a little bit off, you can start to see the pulp. Oh, in yes, the nail. yes. I know what you mean so now. As yes. You shave off little bits of the nail. Eventually you will see the quick and right. it starts, it starts as a dot okay. in the nail. I so, will definitely need my reading glasses yeah. on to see that. You will definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't think I'd be able to do this at this mm-hmm. point without, I, I'm still in denial about going and getting cheater or, uh-huh. or close up reading glasses, but I need to, <laughs> <laughs> especially for toenails. Right. If you heard my eye doctor story, you'll laugh at that one. So um, look for the dot. Okay. When you see that dot starting to appear, that's the point that's where when you're you going to okay. stop. That's good. Yeah. 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 I thought that was really good advice for black, di- black right. nail dogs. Right. Yeah. There's also aids that you can get um, with some black nails, a headlamp. Will be really helpful because right. it actually illuminates, illuminates and you can it. see slightly through the nail. Right. There are, um, I think they're like heat seeking papers. Uh, yes, that I've you seen can them. stick yeah. to the nail, so it will actually right. turn a different color when they when there's the blood vessel is warmer, right. obviously, yep. so it heats up the paper. So there are aids that you can get right. out yeah. there. As but well. if if you weekly trim a little yeah. bit off, trim a little bit off every week. It's it's not going to be an issue. Yeah, it's yes. very unlikely you're going to cut into the quick if you're just shaving bits off. Right, at it's a time. When, it's when you leave them too long and have yeah. to do a chunk. Yeah, if you have to take a big chunk off, it's much more uh, much more likely that mm. you'll hit the quick. Okay, our next question. Drum roll. What do you do if your nine-week-old puppy goes full alligator roll? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I should re- I should uh, say this should be reward- re- reworded. What do you do when your nine-week-old puppy goes full alligator roll? So that is um, very much a puppy move. Yes, it's a very much a puppy tactic. Yeah. It's like, let's absolutely. flop on the floor and see if this makes whatever's happening goes yeah, away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just lift them right back up into the sit. I use yep. my hand in the collar and I just go, nope, you're not going to do that. And I right. lift them right back up into the sit and then they go oh okay that doesn't right, work yeah. and they really don't I, try often again yeah i, I mean, see it lots in the retriever breeds yes it seems to be like a, a like a lab they suddenly just are golden they just <laughs> well, flop to the ground I and think, they're a dead weight down there i think they learn to use their weight right off the bat right and then i mean you see all these funny funny quote unquote videos out there on social media of dogs refusing to leave places right by using their weight yeah. right and they learn it right from that puppy right, stage yes. right i they, think in the litter 
labs love to rough and tumble yes, and, and goldens and you see them like really wrestling hard. And I think the puppy on the bottom realizes that, Hey, I got a pretty advantageous position yes. here. I can bite and nip the dog from the top yeah. and yeah, I'm stable down here. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then if they go home and they're treating their owners like litter mates. Right. And I mean, especially if the if their owners are going, oh, I'm not sure what to do here. And right. You know, a lot of the times people will reach in and try to like pick them up by the shoulders. And of course the puppy just, yeah, just <laughs> goes flops, from yeah. alligator And the puppy's like, laughing and thinking it's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's so funny yeah. too to watch because they look like Gumby. Yeah. Like they just sort of all of a sudden they have no bones. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, don't try to don't try to lift them up by the shoulders or try no. to manipulate and manhandle. They just learn how to avoid being picked right. up. Right, so and much you're easier. playing into their game. Yeah, it's absolutely. like this is a fun wrestling match we're doing here. Yeah, and yep. that's exactly it. They're just looking for the value in life. You right. know, they're not intentionally saying, "Ha ha, you can't." Get, well, they kind of are, but they're not doing it in a mean or vindictive no, they're way. Not, they're no. doing it because they're it's playing fun. a game. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, and then they it's learn fun. how to use those tactics to continue to promote the value that they like in their life. Right. So that dog who gets used to not being able to be fixed from that position as a puppy now as an adult is the one at the park who's laying down and the poor owner standing there and everyone's going <laughs> look yep. at that dog right. won't leave. Yep. and the owner's like come on and they're trying to push and shove and the dog's like nope right yeah nope. yeah not gonna yeah so yeah the moment it happens yeah. is the moment hey, hey that doesn't work and yeah. i just pick them up by the collar or i use my leash and it's like you know what and they might flop down again and i'm just gonna do yeah. it again they flop exactly. down again i'm gonna do it again so yeah. i'm gonna be more persistent than the puppy yeah Absolutely. And yep. that's it. And then, you know what? I mean, I, I've never had that issue go on past that puppy stage right. and maybe doing it one or two yes. times and then they go, oh, that doesn't work. And they move on with right. their life. You know, it's not something they continue to try. If it's not bringing them value, mm -hmm. they leave that tactic yep. behind. I have a you story know, about dogs. that. One time there was a dog in one of our classes. I was one of the instructors and it kept doing that to the owner. So I thought, well, I better go over and, and, and give some advice. And as I went over and the puppy was flopping on, I was re going to reach down to show the owner how to pull up and the puppy submissively eliminated upside down and it was a male oh. so i basically got a big stream of urine on my oh. legs yeah and we're dancing well, at least it was on your legs right sometimes yes. when human babies right yes it gets yeah but i remember <laughs> i leaning down and the puppy's like uh oh oh. <laughs> this person is actually going to do something oh. and uh all of a sudden the pee just came up and it's like oh oh my goodness right uh, so, all right well i think it's oh, time another, for question. another question yeah Question number, I forget how many we've answered okay. already. So I don't even know. Oh, another nail clipper. If your dog hates nail clipping. <laughs> Didn't you mean another nail biter? Another nail biter, yes. <laughs> if your dog hates nail clipping and is not motivated by treats or food or gentle. Oh yeah, what if your dog hates nail clipping and is not motivated by treats or food in general? Yeah. What would you do? I mean, it's the same thing. All of our dogs are going to be motivated by something. Yeah, and their so, nails have to be trimmed. Yes, this absolutely. is not a negotiable. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know what? You have to do it. Absolutely. So what do they like that you can use in those scenarios? You know, right. there's, first off, there's, there's probably a food that you can get that is going to be motivating right. for yes. the dog. So like most, and most dogs too, if you look for something novel, like yes. licking peanut butter off a wooden spoon yeah. or licking cream cheese. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, my dogs think human food is the very best. Yes. So maybe I'm going to get um, a, a Timbit. So that's a donut hole. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Or maybe I'm going to make a peanut butter sandwich and I'm going to start to take a few bites of it. And the dog's like, Oh, and then now I'm going to swap over and yeah. use my peanut butter sandwich as the reward. So yeah. a lot of times it's, 
you know, forego just the regular things and think out of the box for your reward. Absolutely. And it's just about teaching the dog the skill that goes along with nail trimming. So it's not, it's not necessarily that nail trimming itself is scary to begin with. So anything that the dog really likes will start to create that positive association in the nail trim. And if we can use those things, so maybe that's petting, you know, maybe that is butt scratches. Maybe that is just getting the release from the table, right? Right. So if I am working with a young dog that's not food motivated, then maybe I'm doing things like doing some handling work. And then as so by that, I mean, you know, taking hold Mm -hmm. of the paw and touching the paw. And when my puppy is good, I'm going to say yes, and then I'm going to put them down off the table. So mm-hmm. now we get a little freedom off the right, table. Yeah. And then after I've had a little play or something to make it worth his while, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick him up, put him back on the table, do another repetition. And his reward for being calm and still is that I say yes, and now we go and we have a little play, mm-hmm. and then we go back to the still part. And that's actually, if, if my puppy is really, you know, enjoying mm-hmm. the play, which... If they're not, I'm going to look for another tactic, you know, that that makes it easy for right. me to get these repetitions in. But if they're enjoying the play, then they start to make those associations. Ah, mm-hmm. when I hear yes in this scenario, it means I get to have that play again. And it all becomes worth their while right. at that point. So yes. rewards don't have to be food. Right. You know, we, we end up as, uh, we're so tunnel vision as humans, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we think that it always has to be this one thing. And that's right. not true. Right. I mean, in the absence of money as a human, I would work for other things. Mm -hmm. Ice cream? Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe some propane for my house. (laughs) (laughs) Send propane to Shannon's house. (laughs) I'm I'm living on propane for the first time and boy, oh boy, did I get a little reality check with that new bill coming in. Um, Yeah. I I mean, there's, there's things that we would work for. Yeah. Like I, I love kayaking. Like I would, that's a huge reward. It's like, okay, I'm going to get this lawn cut. And then I'm going to go kayaking. Yeah, yep. there you go. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of reinforcement value in life. It's not just food. Food is a common currency that we use with dogs. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's readily available. And for the most part, most dogs will work for food. But when they mm-hmm. won't, that's okay. Right. You just have to think outside the box. Yes. And it might mean you have to work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay. And right. if you're not sure, right. then and it's time to find a trainer to help. Right. And also back backtracking a bit too, I mentioned before, if your dog's overweight, they're not going to be hungry. And there's so many overweight dogs out there. So, you know, you know, be honest with yourself and check your dog's body condition. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so important. I actually have a blog post that I've written um, on our mccandogs.com page called why is my dog fat or is my dog fat and how did that happen or something like that? Right. And it goes through some of the common reasons mm-hmm. that dogs end up being overfed. And uh, it's, I think it's a, a fairly valuable article. Mm-hmm. So you can search for um, fat on the McCann Dogs <laughs> website and that article will come right. up. All right. My next question here. How can I get the attention of a hyper two-year-old hunting dog whose attention span is in the negative range? Oh, <laughs> so this is um, this is the story of a lot of people's lives. Right, a lot of people have dogs that are really, really easily distracted. And actually, that just brought me back to another blog post I've written called "Is Your Dog Just Easily Distracted?" Great, here's why. Mm-hmm. So that blog post is all about gatewaying rewards. So when Ned was a youngster, I really struggled with his focus anytime there was water around. Okay. And I'm talking like, you know, 12 to 16 mm-hmm. week range. Um, anytime there was a puddle, anytime there was a 
pond, a lake, a stream. And I do field training with Mm -hmm. my dogs. So there's a lot of opportunity for them to be around water. So I needed to get this under control. So with Ned, food was not important when water was around. He could have cared less. I could have had steak and it would, nope, I want water. Nope, Mm -hmm. I want to go swim. Nope, Mm -hmm. I want to go play in that stuff. It's the funnest stuff ever. And he's still like that to this day. He loves water. But I will tell you, he listens better around water than just about anything else because of the way I taught him that, you know what, in order to get to that thing, Mm -hmm. you need to do what I want first. So basically, I started with really, really simple stuff. I started beside the water and I started with just, you know, having him sit for a second. Mm -hmm. And basically, when he sat for a second calmly, I would say, yes, okay and go swim Mm -hmm. and then I'd run with him to the water and we'd have a little play in the water and then I would move him back out Mm -hmm. of the water again and I would repeat that so he started to learn in order to get there I need to do this right right? and then I added in things like response to name so now we're moving around the water I say Ned he gives me a brilliant response to name I say yes go swim and we run to the water Mm -hmm. and we play with the water so that's one way that I have I combated with my hunting dogs I combated that draw of the natural environment and the things that they want and eventually he got Mm -hmm. to the point where like he would drill holes in me with his eyes Mm -hmm. trying to get me to say yes go swim when there was any water around and that became automatic for Mm -hmm. him you know we would get out of the vehicle in whatever Mm -hmm. area we were doing field training Mm -hmm. and we would get out of the vehicle in that new spot and right away if he saw water he'd be staring at me can I go? Can I go? Can I yeah. do it? Can I do it? It just got conditioned right, for him yes. to look to me for permission. Right. Yeah. Now, at the same time, I was also training skills right. yes. with That's him. What, yeah, because so. often the dog ignores us because we've allowed it yeah. to ignore us. So right yeah. from puppyhood, you know, we've called their name and they've run the other way and we went, oh, well. And the dog says, yeah. I can ignore you. So yeah. now as a two-year-old, the dog says, you know what? I've never had to listen to you before. Why would I listen to you now? Yeah, absolutely. And going into an environment that's really stimulating with a dog that has learned right. that they can ignore you. We need to hold our dogs accountable for their behavior every single day. Mm-hmm. If we want our dogs to listen to us every single day. Right. If we want our dogs to listen to the recall out on the street when they happen to, you know, somebody, one of the kids left the door open mm-hmm. and they're running towards a, a cat that's running across the street and we need them to come. If we expect them to listen there, we need to make sure that when we called their name from across the room, even though, you know, there was no mm-hmm. immediate danger there. Right. We held them accountable for that if they did not turn. Right. And that's important. And that doesn't mean being like a tyrant and always being militant with them, mm-hmm. but it means being honest with yourself. Right. You know, if I let my dog ignore this cue in this situation that is completely benign, mm-hmm. yes, it doesn't immediately put him in danger. But in a roundabout way, it does put him in extreme danger. Right. Because yes. if my dog thinks, like you just said, mm-hmm. if my dog thinks, eh, it's okay for me to ignore you over here, they don't understand the difference right. between the situation being more dire because there's traffic and cars mm-hmm. and they're chasing this cat. They don't understand any of that. They just understand that they don't have to listen. Right, yeah, our you voice know, means it. nothing. That's yep. it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We have not said, no, you must turn on your name. Hey, you didn't You didn't respond there. You know, we've not done that. Walk up to them, repeat mm-hmm. their name, give them a little poke in the butt and say, hey, I was talking to you and, you know, making sure that right. you follow through. Yes. Like that's not even a 
a mean scenario. That's mm-hmm. not even me be, being militant. It's just, you know, you're across the room and I say Swanee and you don't turn and I need your attention right. because I want to make sure that I, I, I tell you this really important piece of information that is going to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk up and I'm going to say Swanee and I'm going to give you a little touch. Right. Like I'm going to poke you on the shoulder to say, hey, you know what? I called you. Right. Why, why are you ignoring me? This, right. isn't, yes. this isn't cool. And then when you turn around to look at me, I'm going to go, Swanee, guess what? I got candy for you because ah, you turned and responded yay, yes, to me. So yes. I'm going to yeah. make it worth your while, but I'm also going to insist. Right. You know, sort of like with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. We we can't just say, eh, it's okay. You know what? I don't mind if you don't listen in this scenario because we know that carries over to other right. scenarios, right? Right. We know that if they think it's okay here, they think it's okay there. Right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. if the skill is not powerful enough to change the behavior here, right. how on earth is it going to be powerful enough to change right. the behavior yes. over there? Well, I, I remember uh, in the park, I saw a little child running away from the mother and the, the child was running towards the bleachers and the mother's calling her name and calling her name and get back here. And the child just continued to ignore her. And mm-hmm. then when the child got to the bleachers and the mother caught her, the mother just took her hand and continued to let the little girl walk on the bleachers. Mm. And I thought, that child's just learned to ignore the name because yeah. nothing happens and the mom right. will just join in with what she wanted to do. And I thought, you know, one day that little girl's going to be running towards maybe a loose dog or, yeah. you know, running towards a street. And right. she's going to say, I've, you know, I've been reinforced actually yeah. for ignoring my mom so I remember thinking oh that's a dog training moment but I see it happening with a child yeah absolutely it is so important we are setting habits Mm -hmm. so if we're setting habits that we won't be happy with later on down the road we need to change what we're doing to make sure that we do set those habits so yeah I I mean training is all about teaching listening skills so there's no Sometimes there's dogs that really are so cooperative about life that we get disillusioned. Mm -hmm. 99.95% of dogs out there need training. Right, yeah. You know, they need training Mm -hmm. to follow rules and understand what we're asking of them. And if we don't give them that training... We're going to have distracted dogs who don't listen. Right, Who exactly. don't know how to listen. Yes. It's not intentional in their part. They've never been taught. Mm-hmm. You know, these are not skills that they're born with. Right. We right. need to take the time to teach them. Right. That's, that's fair. Yep. So. Yeah. And sometimes you're comfortable too. You're sitting watching TV and now suddenly your dog has disappeared yeah. and it's like, but a good dog trainer, you're going to get up. You know, you're not just going to start calling like spot, spot, spot and hope they come back. Yeah. You know, I get to pause the TV and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and see what the dog is doing or I'm going to put a baby gate up or put him on a long line to keep him in the TV room with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good management until they understand the rules of the house Mm -hmm. for sure. All righty. I think it's your turn. (laughs) That's a long one. This is a very long question. Yes. Yes. What are your thoughts about training an adult dog who weighs over 150 pounds that you cannot simply physically reposition? Okay, say that again. So it's a big dog, 150 pounds. 150 pound adult dog, and we cannot simply reposition it. Okay. So, I mean, this is, this is a very specific scenario and I'm, I'm a big dog. I have more follow-up questions before I can really answer that one. So, I mean, if this is a dog who you can't reposition because they are not willing to be handled, if they're using their teeth, if they're, I mean, there's so many reasons there that I would say you need to consult a a trainer. You need to work with somebody to help with this. Right. Um, Do you have anything top of mind that comes... Well, comes on this yeah, one? I, my first thing was, why can't you reposition it? Is yeah. it, 
yeah, yeah what's going on right. that what's going that on now. yes yes but um, truly i mean technique works on chihuahuas and technique works on 200 pound english mastiffs right like, yes there's yes there's definitely more heft behind mm-hmm. it but if the dog understands and is not fighting you right then there shouldn't need to be a whole lot of force right. applied to get this position so for, right. like for example if we're doing a sit placement mm-hmm. if the dog truly understands how to yield to a little bit of leash pressure because right. we taught them those skills mm. then it's not about using more force on the leash to get them into the sit it's just about the motions right. of placing them yes so yeah you i think you definitely would want to get the dog enrolled in an obedience class mm-hmm. and with an instructor who is going to teach you know, when we put a bit of pressure on you, it means to move, and, yes. in, you know, in, in a good way. We do that in our classes mm-hmm. uh, because you're, you know, all dogs have to be examined at the vets. Yeah, you got uh, it. So they do need to be able to, you know, yield to pressure when yeah, we put absolutely. that bit of pressure on them. So it's a learning, it, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It would be a learning a learning experience. Yes, most yep. definitely. Well, and in order to hold my dog accountable, I need him to be part of that process. Mm-hmm. And I need to have skills that allow me to do that. Right. And of course, I don't want to be super rough with my dog in doing that, but right. I need to insist. Right, yes. So when it comes to things like the sit placement, when mm-hmm. it comes to things like the down placement, for example, right. these are such important tools to have to be able to hold right. our dogs yes. accountable and say, you know what? Sorry, buddy. I told you to lie down. Right. You need to lie you down. You need to do it, or yeah. I told you to remain in that lie down because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what's keeping you safe in this moment or that's what I'm asking you to do. So if you get up, I need a way of saying, nope, you have to get back into that down. And I need a way of saying it without it becoming a big battle. Right, yes. You know, uh, without my dog panicking. Mm-hmm. So we've conditioned all these placements and whatnot beforehand. So right, I would yes. say that's the best answer right, yes. is and, it's and, time to work with the And if you look trainer. at other types of animal training, um, if someone's training a camel or a, a, <laughs> or a, or a dolphin, you aren't able to reposition those animals right. too. So there's, you know, if you... You know, everyone has different methods and different ways to work. So, you know, we can work or a horse. You can't yeah. physically reposition a horse, but we have managed to train these large animals to be, you know, very good at things that they do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yes. I mean, it, you can move a horse with just the slightest little pressure of your foot, right? right? But that's not because they're, you know, they're physically being manipulated to do that. It's because they've learned to yes. interpret any sort of pressure mm-hmm. we put on them, they, they've learned to interpret that and be able to right. get there, So you'll have so. to go back and build some building blocks with your dog, yes. but uh, we definitely don't need to out-muscle a dog to train yeah. it. Yeah, I think that that is a great, great question and a great answer as mm-hmm. well. All right, I'm going to read one more here. Okay. All right, I can train with good results indoors, but outside, my dog doesn't know I exist. So, um you know what? I think I'm going to pick another one because that's pretty much the same as our sporting dog thing. Like that would right. be the same answer. It, it, there, there needs to be a transition right. from the white room into the real world. Right. You and need, yeah, you need to train outdoors. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, and and sometimes it is ugly. Mm-hmm. when you first go outside, right? Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, this doesn't feel good. It felt great inside. Right. The dog was, you know, focused on me. The dog was easy to engage with, but now the distractions are bigger. So if you can bridge that gap somehow, mm-hmm. that's great. You know, maybe that means working on the front porch for a while. If right. you've got some space mm-hmm. on the front porch or if you're in an apartment, for example, maybe working in the hallway or the lobby or, you know, maybe even using a vehicle to transport a dog into a less exciting space. You know, if you're in an apartment Mm -hmm. and you're in New York City, for example, and you go outside the apartment, there's no quiet space anywhere. Mm -hmm. So maybe you need to drive somewhere to find a sort of quieter in-between space. Mm -hmm. But really, I, I mean, don't 
give up when it's ugly initially because chances are it's going to be ugly initially regardless because now we're throwing this extra thing Mm -hmm. at our puppies or our dogs. But as long as you have put in the foundation work Mm -hmm. and you have a plan, Right. So that's what's missing when there's not a training plan in place is the what ifs. Right. Right. The if then else piece of the Mm -hmm. equation. If you if you haven't done training and if you haven't started practicing skills and you don't have a good idea of what to do in that scenario, it all just becomes ugly. Right. Right. The dog's so distracted. They're pulling. They're lunging at this, that and the other thing. And we're just holding on to the end of the leash. But. If I have my training plan in place, so, okay, I go outside with my dog and my dog is excited and distracted and goes to the end of the leash Mm -hmm. and starts pulling and I have my sit placement, right? I can cut my leash. I can grip by the clip. I can say sit. I can guide up and place my dog Mm -hmm. and then I can put slack in the leash. Right. Even if my dog gets up and I have to repeat that motion, Mm -hmm. I'm still taking control of that situation, right? right? I'm not just letting this naughty behavior that I don't want Mm -hmm. continue to happen. Right. So, yeah, it might mean that I have to place my dog back in the sit 10 times, right? In that training session, I was only able to get, you know, 30 seconds in total Mm -hmm. over the the repetition of 10, where my dog held position and held position on a loose lead and where I was able to get in some rewards for him doing that. So at that point... That's session one under my belt, right? right? Now I come back for session number two Mm -hmm. and it might still be a little bit ugly, but maybe I get 45 seconds in total and maybe my dog gets more rewards Mm -hmm. and I do less placements and now he's starting to go, okay, I get it. It's valuable here too. Right. And my training starts to override the distractions Mm -hmm. in the environment. Right. Right. So it's all a process. Like you can't expect to go out into this new scenario and have a dog go, Oh yeah, I'm going to ignore all these exciting smells. I'm going to ignore all Mm -hmm. these things and pay attention to nothing but you until you've done the training. Right. So don't be afraid of that messy piece. Work through it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be ugly a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then it starts to get prettier. Right. Right. It starts to get easier. Right. It's like you're. I know you are learning, relearning how to draw and do art. I'm sure you've created some <laughs> some pretty ugly pieces now. Learning, I have I have a I have a good size sketchbook. Right, yeah, that's pretty filled up at this point. Right. And, and I was showing Kip actually. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, look at what I've been doing, and here's some of, here's some of my pictures. And yeah. like the first couple, he was like, wow, yeah, these are these are really good. Like uh, there was um because the first couple were fairly easy, right? So there was a landscape scene mm-hmm. that uh, you know if you're if you're following instructions on some of these things, right. it's like oh. Why did I have this be so complicated in my head before? I thought I needed to know how to like make everything look perfect right from the get go. Okay, yeah. Well, no. First, you create shapes, right, and then you start adding details. So yeah. initially, it's it's it looks silly, right, and then it looks ugly. But then, as you refine the details, it starts to get yep. prettier right. and prettier. You know, it's it's so, that's dog training. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah you in start with your shapes. Sure you add your details. It looks horrible, yeah. but then it turns out great. And then it turns out beautifully. Yeah. yeah. So then, as you're flipping through the book, right, <laughs> there's an attempt to draw a dog head, <laughs> and like I was working on the on the shapes and the proportions, right? yep. and then I started adding the detail, but I actually messed up at the proportions right. piece. So like the nose was too big and the eyes were a little bit off in mm-hmm. terms of being too big and it just looks so silly. So like the the first landscape looked great and then there was a tree and I really liked the tree yeah. too. So I was like, look at my tree. Like it looks like a tree. It looks yeah. good. And we actually spent all this time looking at the faces in the tree. And then I we turned the page again and I was like, 
Okay, <laughs> don't look at this one. Right. And I was explaining right. like how yeah. it got messed up and whatnot. But yeah, like right. there's definitely, there's yes. a lot of and ugly pictures right. and that think, I have think, in that yeah, sketchbook. Think of that too. When when you see dog trainers, so say you're watching our, our YouTube videos and you see these beautifully trained dogs we did go through ugly periods with yeah. them too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the, we sh- so yeah, there's so some nice. real yeah. crazy stuff in the middle. So keep that in mind. Our dogs just don't go from no. little puppies to flawless. You know, there's dips and curves and all dips kinds and of oh, ugly yeah. things that happen along the way. Yeah. And then we can present this beautiful picture. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So if you're expecting it to look perfect right from the get-go, it's going to be horrendously disappointing for you. Think of Shannon's art. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? I have no doubt that as I continue practicing drawing dog heads, it will get better. But right now, like I need to work through the ugly first. And then eventually it's going to be lovely. I hope. Yes, it will be. It will be, Shannon. You're very artistic. Yes, I know it's, it will be. It's just like a fun hobby that I'm getting into. Yeah, so it's going to be good. I mean, really, it's nice because there's no pressure. Right. You know, if they are ugly, oh, <laughs> well, all right, I'll just turn that page, start on the next page yep. here. <laughs> but eventually, right. I think things will start looking uh, They nice. will. They will. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, that was a fun episode. Yes. We have tons more questions in the bank, so we will come back and do another of these episodes, Mm -hmm. but it is time to say farewell. On that note, I'm Instructor Shannon. Instructor Swanee. Happy training. Happy training. The McCann Dogs Podcast is brought to you by McCann Professional Dog Trainers. We help dog owners to have a well-behaved, four-legged family member. Please give us a call at 905-659-1800. Eight, eight, or visit us at McCandogs.com. Happy training!